On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Postseason rolling on. Of course, all frustrated that the Brewers are not in it. There's a lot to get to. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Weekly. You're listening on the podcast or we're listening live. Thanks for joining us. As uh, well, it's October. It's feeling like fall. It's looking like fall, that's for sure, with the foliage. And we're watching playoff baseball, and, well, the Brew Crew are not in it. And with the Brewers not in it, we get quotes. We get the end-of-year press conference from David Stearns. We're going to talk about that from the president of baseball operations. It's going to be a money episode. Very heavy on the money today. We're going to talk about the arbitration process, that the Brewers have a lot going on in this year's arbitration. Also, extension season. In the the league year would officially begin, you know, as three days after the World Series ends for 2023. So that's when you might see a lot of activity pick up. So that won't be until November. But what would extensions look like? We're going to talk about the postseason, of course. We're going to talk about memories of the postseason as well. And we're going to look over what the rest of the week's going to have and uh, get you ready for the upcoming schedule here for postseason play. We're going to start things off, though, earlier this week. David Stearns on Tuesday met with the media for the final time this year in a formal Q&A setting. Just going over the season, spoke a lot about what went wrong, of course, the Josh Hader trade. We talked about the Josh Hader trade a lot in last week's show and that because he was on uh, Wisconsin's Morning News, David Stearns was last week, admitting and understanding the responsibility that he has of making the team better. And he reiterated that uh, this week on Tuesday talking about, look, there's a reason that it, it went all wrong and he needs to make sure he makes the team better. Play that for you in just one second. Mark. We're fixing things here. Don't worry about it. We're going to get right back to it. But David Stern's talking about what's going wrong with the team since June 1st is the day that he points out. June 1st. I want to bring some numbers in for you there. June 1st, the Brewers were in a playoff spot, obviously. That's when the Terrible losing streak started. The eight-game losing streak started for the Brewers. But would you get this? Starting on June 1st, the Brewers were hitting 236 as a team, 314 on base, and a 410 slugging. That's just a 723 OPS as a team. Not great. When you look at the rest of the season, almost identical. 234 for the rest of the season, so two points less. 317 on base, actually three points better. And then a 408 slugging, two points worse. So it all adds up to just a two-point better, one-and-a-half point, really, better OPS. So in my opinion, when I hear David Stearns talk about the fact that, oh, we you know, we, we just weren't the same team after June 1st, not, it wasn't necessarily just the trade deadline, I, I, I kind of have a hard time believing that because this is kind of who they were. And he does take responsibility for not fortifying the offense and not fortifying the team and trying to get them better. That's a fair critique, and that's a fair take that he has to kind of wear because, look, the offense did not get better. That is the truth. So blame is easy to spread. But when you look at what's coming up for the Brewers and the debates of what are you going to do with, say, Corbin Burns? What are you going to do with, say, Brandon Woodruff, you know, extensions are on the horizon for these guys. They're entering arbitration. We're going to talk more about arbitration coming up in this next segment. But understand that arbitration is when these players are 
playing well, especially in the case of Woodruff and Burns, but they're not being paid what they would be paid on the open market. So it seemed like the Brewers has to take advantage of arbitration because you get three years of it, and you're keeping them a little cheaper than what they would be on the open market. That's how teams like the Brewers, that's how teams like the Rays, that's how teams like you know, Kansas City build winners. They are homegrown, they build winners, they save money in the arbitration process. We're going to break all that down, hear more from Stearns here in just a second. Just getting going on a big contract-heavy, money-heavy episode of Brewers Weekly. And we're going to get into the postseason too, but I think right now... This is a good time to start talking about what an extension could look like, what the money's going to look like, and buckle up, get your calculator out. Let's talk some money. Coming up next on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Arbitration. A scary word, not a scary process. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. Let's break this down. If you've never sat down and you know never asked anybody, how does arbitration work? What does that mean? Why is it so important in baseball? Let me try to put this in layman's terms for you. When a player makes it to the big leagues, essentially, they're going to be on that team for six years if they perform. After six years of service time, let's say they're on the roster the entire season. We're not, we're not putting injuries on this. We're not putting options into this category. We're just saying, hey, they've played every day for six straight years. Then they become a free agent after those six years. But years four, five, and six, you are eligible for what's called arbitration, which means years one, two, and three, right? So I'm a rookie here. Let's say I just made my debut here in 2022. I played all the season. I'm great. I got one year of service time. That's an important word too. I've got one year of service time. So I sit down at the end of the season with my agent, the Brewers representation, and they say, great season, Dom. We're going to pay you $1 million next season. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, I thought I'd, you know, I, I had 30 bombs this year. Come on, man. I had 30 bombs. 30 so- I'm, I'm kidding. I would never. But I, I I thought I would deserve more. And then the Brewers get to say, or whomever, any team would say, well, look, you don't have any say in this process in your first three years until you've earned three years of service time. I've only got one year of service time after one year. The Brewers, and insert any franchise here, in your first three years as a big leaguer, control your salary. They can pay you league minimum if you want. Look at what the Rays do. Now, they can always give you a modest raise, and a lot of teams will do that. But, it's an example of you're not getting paid what you're worth, which is a big part of the lockout negotiations of players trying to fight for the guys that are not yet in arbitration. That's something that we've kind of haven't talked about all that much yet, that we are going to see the arbitration pool for the first time this offseason. Remember we talked about the top uh, X number of players being eligible for this X, uh, I believe it ended up at $40 million, if I'm not mistaken. i got to double check that, but... Or there's a pool for the guys. They're getting a bonus here at the end of the year for the top players that are not yet eligible for arbitration. Because why does arbitration matter? Well, now I can finally get a raise. And I have a say in what I'm getting paid for the first time. Your first three years, you have no say. Then after three years of service time and your fourth year in the big leagues, so if I just played in 2022, I'd have to play all of 2023, all of 2024, before I finally have a say for what I'm getting paid in 2025. It's kind of a crazy process. But now I sit down with my agent and I sit down and say, hey, what am I worth this year? What was I worth 
and what am I going to be worth? You set a number. Then your agent will go to the brewers, and the brewers would say, oh, we have this number. Let's say, you know, in 2026, they project me of being a $10 million player. The brewers do. But my agent is coming forward with $12 million. Nine times out of 10, the agent and the team will negotiate and settle and figure out a number that works and call it a day. Most likely, $11 million. Okay, I finally had a say in my contract. That'll happen for the next three years. And generally, you increase your price. However, let's say my agent and the brewers can't come to an agreement. And there's a deadline for this during the offseason. They can't come to an agreement. They go to the arbitration process, where you actually go to an independent arbiter Here's the cases from both sides, and this is what Adrian Hauser went through earlier this year. And because the lockout was pushed into the season, into May. And I have talked to players about this. I've talked to coaches about this. It is a messed up room. It is hard to swallow as a player. If you are sitting in that room, do not sit in the arbitration room. You talk to any player, you don't want to go through arbitration. It's nasty. You see the dark side of baseball. It is no fun. Because as much as you've done for the team that you love, they're going to sit there and tear you down, down to the dollar of why you're not, you shouldn't be paid what you should, what you filed for. Each team, you know, the Brewers and then the player, they would file a number of what they feel they should be paid, and then the arbiter has to decide either which side wins or if there's a settlement number that they feel better about. That's tough, man. And you're hearing every single reason why. I mean, you're talking some cases and a couple hundred thousand dollars, which to you and me, that's a lot of money. But to be hearing like, ah, we don't like his strike rate and two strike changeups and this, that, or like, hey, we didn't like how many times he hit ground balls to the right side. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. It gets so specific. It gets nasty. So arbitration can get hairy if you actually take it to the arbiter. But arbitration is the first chance for the players to actually have a say in what they're paid. That's a long-winded way of saying the Brewers have the most players on their roster eligible for arbitration in all of baseball. Almost 50% of their roster is in the arbitration process right now, which is how they're able to afford a lot of these players. Projected on MLB Trade Rumors, great, great site. MLB Trade Rumors has projected four guys to be the top-paid players based on arbitration. These are not the guaranteed contracts. The four guys highest paid projected are to be Corbin Burns at 11.4 million, Hunter Renfro at 11.2, Brandon Woodruff at 11.0, and Willie Adamas at 9.2. So you take those four totals, that's $42.8 million. Get your calculator out. $42.8 million right there. The rest of the team that's eligible, by the way, that is deep breath. Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, Devin Williams, Hobie Milner, Mike Brasso, Keston Hero, Luis Arias, Rowdy Telez, John Del Gustave, Trevor Gott, Matt Bush, Luis Perdomo, Victor Caratini, Brent Suter. <sighs> Exhale. All of those guys projected to make $37.1 million in arbitration. So again, the top four guys projected to make 42.8. Everybody else, 37.1. Just in arbitration, the Brewers are projected to spend just shy of $110 million. Remember, their payroll is $126 million this year alone. So that's not including even the guaranteed money. $28.9 million guaranteed to Yelich, Ashby, 
and Peralta that's on the books this year. So you blink, and the Brewers are already looking at exceeding their payroll from last year without even adding anybody. That's already $137 million right there. $10 million more than last year. And you have team options on Brad Boxberger. That's worth $2 million. And Colton Wong. Or I beg your pardon. Brad Boxberger is worth $3 million. I beg your pardon. And Colton Wong worth $10 million. I don't think they're going to pick up the Colton Wong option. That's a lot of cash. And we just explained that just on projections alone. And I'm not saying every single one of these guys is going to get tendered a contract, too. That's another part of this. But the Brewers are already going to have to spend money next year. That's just in the arbitration process. And in the next segment, talk a little extension. Maybe you can save some money in this arbitration process by buying guys out in their arbitration years. Five years, six year deal. You buy out the last two years of arbitration in this guaranteed money. So you know what they're getting paid. Do you go deferred money? We got a lot to talk to you about that. Also speaking of contracts, one texture here on the WTMJ talking text line, 855-616-1620. Haven't mentioned the line yet. 855-616-1620. Speaking of contracts, David Stearns only has one year left. And for over a year now, the Mets still prefer that he'd be their director of baseball operations. So how about working out a deal where they buy out his remaining contract and throw in some great prospect players? Uh, I don't think you're getting Francisco Alvarez from the uh, Mets for David Stearns. That would be a heck of a trade. That is legal, by the way. Managers can be traded for players, too. David Stearns obviously has one year left. He actually addressed this in his press conference on Tuesday. He knows it comes up every year. He understands. But hey, he is going to do the best he can to bring a World Series to Milwaukee while he is here under contract. That's another extension that maybe you're going to talk about. Because if you extend him, that makes it harder for any other team to come out and grab him. But how much money do the Brewers want to spend on a director of baseball operations? When I already told you, their payroll is already projecting to be higher next season. So there are a lot of divisions decisions to be made coming up. Let's talk extensions specifically for a few pitchers. Coming up on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. It's all you see on Twitter. Extend Burns. Extend Woodruff. Extend Williams. Do something. If it was that easy, they would do it. There's a lot of projection involved with potential extension. This is Brewers Extra Innings, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the... WTMJ Talk and Text Line. When the Brewers sit down with representation of both Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, they have to figure out what do they actually want with these guys. Do they want to keep them around? Do they want to say that they're their guys? There's a lot to figure out because you make that... I talked about this in the season-end wrap-up show. You make one of those extensions happen, whether it's Burns, Woodruff... Starting pitching-wise, look, everybody's always looking for starting pitching. Always. And to have two homegrown candidates to extend like the Brewers have right now, that's so huge. And it sends a message to the rest of the league. They are serious. They want to win. Think about how you felt when you read that the Mariners extended Luis Castillo when they just traded for him this year. Castillo got five guaranteed years worth $108 million with more escalators on the back end of that deal, too. An average annual value of $21.6 million. He's 29 years old. He's thrown uh, over 800 innings now in the big leagues, earning 19 uh, baseball reference war. 
pretty darn good. When it comes to projections for Burns and for Woodruff, now, Woodruff is obviously older than Burns. Burns is about to enter his age 28 season, whereas Woodruff is about to enter his age 30 season. And thus, with a little more time in the big leagues, Woodruff has accumulated a little more war, and part of that is Burns having an abysmal 2019. When you try to look out, I look at guys that got these extensions at the age that they got them, right? So Castillo gets his at 29. Robbie Ray as a free agent. So not even an extension, a free agent going into the Mariners, getting five years, $115 million at age 30 for $23 million a year. Going into this year, he was worth 15.8 war. Now he has pitched almost double the innings than Brandon Woodruff has pitched. So he's had more time to prove himself than Big Wu has. But you got to figure the number for Woodruff, if we're starting there, for five years, I mean, it's it's going to be near $20 million a year. It's got to be. Because you're projecting out a guy who's got a fresh arm, who has very, very low injury risk, you know, or at least hasn't had elbow issues, to say the least, right? Whereas you look at Freddie Peralta dealing with a shoulder. If you were trying to extend Freddie Peralta right now, I think you would try to give him this team-friendly deal that you gave him you know, a couple of years ago. It all worked out. But for a guy that doesn't have injury history, who's been an opening day starter, who's been an all-star for you, who's pitched in the postseason, hit the most, you know, most famous home run in the last 10 years by a brewer in the postseason off Clayton Kershaw. That, that anniversary was the other day, by the way. I mean, it, it's going to be a, a fascinating study of how much is he going to get compared to Corbin Burns. And there are plans for it of what the Brewers are trying to do with these guys. And when they figure out what they need as far as look, Christian Yelich is going to take up a lot of the, the contract, the, the team-friendly deals to Ashby and Peralta certainly help, but they got to figure out what they're doing with Adamas. they got to figure out what they're doing at first base with Telez. They also have to figure out the catching position. They have an, a, a look at the roster right now where... Let's say you don't pick up the team option on Colton Wong. So that'll be a rookie at second base, probably in Bryce Terang, unless they make a shocking move during the offseason to pick up a Gene Segura, which I don't see him leaving Philadelphia. They have a buyout, uh, a buy option for him uh, coming into next season. Or, uh, you know, a Brandon Drury. Eh, I mean, you got Bryce Terang ready to come up. That saves you some cash as well. He's going to be on the 40-man this offseason anyway. Then you look at catcher. Victor Caratini's due back in arbitration. Omar Narvaez is probably going to walk as a free agent. And then you got Mario Feliciano on the 40-man. So that's another youthful position. Second base and catcher. Then you look at the outfield. Depending on how much you want Yelich to play in the outfield, you've obviously got Renfro back for one more year. Unless they decide to trade him in during his final year of arbitration. But you look at Center field is going to be a young position. they got to figure out what to do with Tyrone Taylor. By the way, Tyrone is a pre-arbitration player. He is not yet arbitration eligible. Just shy of three years. But he could be a super two. That's another conversation for another time. But for the outfield, that's going to be extremely young. Mitchell, Ruiz, maybe Freelix up at some point. That's also an opportunity to save money for the Brewers. And I talk about all these extensions. I think there's one guy we haven't talked about with an extension. We talk about Burns and Woodruff all the time. What if you extend Devin Williams right now? 
you could save a lot of money in that regard because let's be honest, I don't see any lights out relievers knocking on the door for Devin Williams. Devin's about to enter his second year of arbitration. What if you extend him? Look at him, what Emmanuel Classe signed for. I'm not saying that Devin's going to sign for this. But Emmanuel Classe signed a five-year extension guaranteed for $20 million, so $4 million a year, with team options that escalate up to $10 million a year for 2027 and 2028, so for year six and year seven of that deal. That sounds like a very Brewer-savvy move. The Guardians, of course, doing that. Another small market team that you've heard about this all, all along. Would something like that be appetizing to the Brewers for Devin Williams to lock down the back end of the bullpen? Maybe that satisfies Devin after seeing the trade of one of his best friends, Josh Hader. Makes him feel a little more stable as he enters his last couple of years of arbitration, of guaranteed team control. That's something that should be on the table too, in my opinion. And it would obviously be cheaper than locking up a starting pitcher. Now, it doesn't give the... Uh, security blanket that you would hope for, like you would get locking up a Woodruff or a Burns, but it's a start. The Brewers, obviously the record extension to Christian Yelich, is starting to age poorly, and it's obviously on the forefront of David Stearns and Matt Arnold's mind right now of like, well, what version of Christian Yelich is going to arrive next season? But he's arriving next season. He's going to be owed $26 million, $4 million of it deferred, so $22 million to hit the books. The Brewers are right around league average for team payroll. Just below it. It is going to increase next year, next year naturally, depending on what happens in arbitration and trades and free agency. So this is where, when I hear the quote from Mark Adonacio after the Josh Hader trade, that this was not a cost-cutting move. When, let's be honest, the guys do probably do $13, $14 million as a reliever this year in arbitration. You've heard it all along. That sounds like a cost-cutting move. So, if it was not a cost-cutting move, like the owner says, this is where the offseason has to come in where you spend a little cash. Well, you have this window still open. We'll have the whole league year once options are figured out and once contracts are tendered in those three days after the uh, the World Series ends. We'll have more episodes looking ahead to the offseason. But I just want to put that stuff on your radar. Look, the Brewers are going to owe four players over $40 million just in arbitration. And then the rest of the team, another $37 million. So as it stands right now, they've got over $130 million if they brought everybody back. That's including the guys on the injured list. That's everybody that's on the 40-man that's eligible for arbitration. Their, their payroll would already be higher than it was last year. Decisions are going to be made. It's going to be difficult for David Stearns and company to try to keep this window open because the offense needs help. Where does it come from? Does it come from trades? Does it come from their own farm system? We got all offseason to discuss that. Let's talk some playoffs. Let's talk some fun stuff. What a day for the Astros and what the last couple days for Jordan Alvarez. Talk about the, the Cuban export. Man, what a week he's had. More coming up on Brewers Weekly on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. As we get ready to talk about playoffs... I just want to wrap up the extension talks, hearing straight from the man himself, David Stearns, about what it would look like and what they have on the plans right now of talking to Corbin and talking to Brandage about a potential extension for them to stay as Brewers. Whenever you have premium talents like that, whenever you have really good guys, and, and those are really good guys, players who 
um, contribute to our team, contribute to our community. Um, certainly the goal would be to, to keep as many of them here long term as you can. So when I hear that quote, I hear a guy that wants to do it, that's ready to do it. But for the reasons we just laid out with arbitration and payroll and things of that nature, and I know you're sick of hearing about payroll, but you're used to it by now. These are things that are out of his control. And that's why the texture that came in earlier, 855-616-1620, again, 855-616-1620, talking about, well, what does David Stearns do? He's got one more year. I'm sure they're thinking about it. They're trying to find a good projection that will work for the team moving forward because now they're a little bit snake-bitten, right, about thinking about trades and thinking about, uh, you know, the Josh Hader trade obviously backfired, but they've got Robert Gasser and Estuary Ruiz still in the organization. We've also got to figure out how much longer is this Christian Yelich trade going to be a neutral impact? I wouldn't say it's a negative impact, but the point is it's a negative impact on the payroll. But we've talked a lot about cash. We haven't really talked about what's actually happening in baseball right now. How about the Astros? How about Jordan Alvarez, man? Where is the hole in the Astros lineup? Honestly, they win again today. They're up 2-0 now on the Seattle Mariners. They're heading out to Seattle now, off day tomorrow for the travel day. But when I look at this team, man, Listen to this lineup. It is so good. So good. Today, they led things off. Jose Altuve, of course. One of the best leadoff hitters in the game. No, I'm not making any trash can jokes. It was five years ago. It's time to move on, everybody. Altuve, Jeremy Pena, who, by the way, had a better war than Carlos Correa this year, who opted out today. More on that later. So this is their lineup today. I'm just going to read through it. Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena, Jordan Alvarez. Then the cleanup, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Yuli Gurriel. The DH today was Aledmus Diaz, a veteran player. He had a great day. He had a double. Jake Myers, center field. That's maybe a hole, maybe a, a gap between Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick. And then the catcher, Martin Maldonado. Catchers, this time of year, they're in there for the catching. They're not in there for the offense. Not everybody can be JT Realmuto. That's a darn good lineup. Oh, they're starting rotation? They got to Justin Verlander in Game 1, but today they throw Framber Valdez. In Game 3 in Seattle, they're going to be throwing Lance McCullers Jr. If it goes four games, they could go back to Verlander, or they could use a, a Christian Javier, Jose Urquidy tandem of some, some kind. Even a Luis Garcia is available. Those guys are probably available to back up Lance McCullers Jr., so that's a pretty darn good rotation. Oh, oh, what about their bullpen? Uh, did you see what they did today? Getting out of every jam. Hector Neris, Rafael Montero, Ryan Presley. He hadn't pitched in a week. Yes, of course he's going to walk the first guy and he hasn't pitched in a week. Then his curveball came right back. 3,300 RPMs of spin on that curveball to end the game. That's ridiculous. Absolutely freakish. I, I talked about it in our season end show in my predictions for the bracket. I said the Astros are winning it all. I, I stand by that prediction, especially after watching the Dodgers struggle in clutch situations last night against the Padres. I, I, I don't see where the Astros have a flaw. I really don't. They're the team that nobody's talked about. Everyone's been obsessed with the AL East, with Aaron Judge, with what's going on with Otani, which is fair. Kind of got lost in the fun of you know, the Mariners and the Blue Jays of like, oh my gosh, look at the AL, look how great these guys are. 
been lost in the judge race. Like, oh, wait, oh, yeah, and then the Astros. The Astros are good, y'all. Like, they are so good. I predicted we were going to have a rematch, Braves-Dodgers. Or, excuse me, Braves-Braves-Astros. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a 2017 rematch now between Dodgers-Astros. Something to keep in mind. So, that series is up 2-0. The other half of the AL was delayed tonight. The uh, Guardians and the Yankees were not able to play due to inclement weather in New York City. So, they will shift to tomorrow. That's one nothing Yankees right now. Tomorrow will be Shane Bieber on the mound against Nestor Cortez. That game starts at 12.07 on TBS for Game 2. Cleveland really in a must-win situation against Nasty Nestor after Garrett Cole shoved it against them uh, in the Game 1 back on Tuesday night. When I look at the Guardians, look, they, they had a tough go of it with the curveball-slider combo from Garrett Cole. He was dominant with that. And really, I look at what... Uh, Cal Quantrill did. He didn't pitch that bad. He would like to have the home run ball back from Harrison Bader. And he would definitely like to have the hanging cutter back from Anthony Rizzo. That was really the only reason. How about Stephen Kwan going yard? That was awesome. Mr. Contact, Mr. I don't strike out. I thought it was going, oh my goodness, here we go again with Garrett Cole. Here we go. And then he locked it down and it was pretty fun, but I still see the Yankees winning that series, and we get another ALCS rematch of the Astros and the uh, Yankees, which is always entertaining. But how about the, you know, we're going to shift over the NL here in just a second coming up in the next segment, but how about the two notable all-star dominant in their day closers left off of ALDS rosters for very different reasons? Araldus Chapman left off of the Yankees roster, and Craig Kimbrell left off of the Dodgers roster. Now, Kimbrell, it was for a lack of effectiveness. He had already been uh, removed from the closer role in September. They were trying to figure out a role for him, and it just wasn't working out. And they have enough of a bullpen to try to be by the sum of their parts to figure it out. Trying in his back. Vezia is great. They've got Gratterall. They've got some good guys in the back end of the bullpen to figure things out. So they didn't really... It's a really a, a spoil of riches of what they've got going on. But the Dodgers, it's kind of funny to say, didn't need Kimbrell. They traded A.J. Pollock for him. But nonetheless, they survived that. And for the Yankees, oh, oh, oh man, roll this Chapman. Man, that was a headline. Decided not to report to the team on the mandatory workout last Friday. Because remember, the Yankees had the bye. They didn't have to play during wildcard weekend. So they were, you know, trying to work out as a team on Friday last week. And he didn't show up. So the, the word from the Yankees clubhouse and from Aaron Boone was, that we told him stay home. If you're not going to show up to the mandatory workout, even if you're not on the roster officially yet, we would have liked to have you. And here's where it gets really crazy for Aroldis Chapman. If he had just showed up to that workout, it turns out he probably would have been on the roster because it was revealed right when the roster came out that Scott Efros, who they acquired from the Cubs at the trade deadline, his season's over. He needs Tommy John surgery. And they were very blunt in saying, yeah, they probably would have had a Chapman on the roster in place of Scott Efros. But because Chapman went down to Miami and decided not to attend the workout on Friday, he was left off the roster. And he's a free agent to be. We've probably seen his last pitch as a Yankee. Wild stuff. He wanted to guarantee that he was going to be on the roster. The Yankees didn't give it to him. He decided to skip the workout. And he probably would have been on the team due to the injury to Efros. And now he just could sit and watch from his couch. Chaos.
We're going to shift over the National League here in just a second. More in a moment on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Look out, there's a goose. Did you see that last night? Dodgers, Padres, a goose on the field at Dodgers Stadium. The, the, the goose is safe, by the way, in case you were wondering. PETA was trying to get to the bottom of it, but uh, the Dodgers put out a statement saying they released the goose after the stadium was cleared because the goose was clearly uh, disoriented and confused by the loud noises. The goose is okay. This, it was a funny moment. I mean, tense, massive moment of the game, one-run contest. Josh Hader's coming in in the eighth inning, and Fox shows a goose. And Adam Amin and A.J. Brzezinski couldn't stop laughing. And kudos to his statistician. I didn't catch his name, but kudos to his statistician because, get this, this is great. This is my, me as a statistician, a stats nerd, I love this. Do you know who is the last Padre to have a more than three-out save in the playoffs? Of course, Goose Gossage. I'm not even joking. I had to proofread that. I was watching that. I'm like, there's no way. Pulled up baseball reference, and I couldn't believe it. So Josh Hader gets the four-out save with a goose on the field, breaking Goose Gossage. Huh. Pretty wild. So the Dodgers and the Padres, they're shifting that series to San Diego. It's one apiece. It's a series. And Doug texting in here, he said to look out for the Padres last week. But am I still looking at the, at the Dodgers in the National League? Yes. But I had the Braves beating the Dodgers in the NLCS. So I'm sticking with that. I'm not going to change my vote. I uh, I stuck with it. Now that's looking pretty crazy too. That other series. Get more on that in a second. But Hader could make this trade look real bad if the Padres get to the World Series, according to Doug. That's a fair comment. That's a fair. That's a fair take. Because for most of the season, the Padres are trying to stabilize their bullpen, and you could actually point to the blown save here in Milwaukee by Taylor Rogers against the Brewers. As when their bullpen roast, bullpen woes started. They removed him by the end of the month from the closer role. Did Taylor Rogers? They were trying to get him back on track. Then they had the motivation to get Josh Hader. And how about the fact that Hader pitching before the ninth inning, going for a four-out save, something he hadn't done since 2019. Bob Melvin. I, I tip my hat to you, man. Now, I've, I've got to know Bob Melvin a little bit. I've called a lot of Oakland A's games in my past. Bob gets the best out of his players. And, keep in mind, Bob Melvin is the mentor of Craig Council. Bob Melvin, you ask any player that has played for Bob Melvin, they love the man. Not because he protects them, but because he pushes them, and he expects greatness from them. He does it in a quiet manner, and seeing him get fired up on that double play last night in the uh, sixth inning when uh, Robert Suarez got out of a runners on the corners, nobody out jam, and he got out of it with a double play. That was insane. Sorry, Gavin Luck. Sorry, shout out Kenosha. But I've never seen Bob Melvin with that much emotion before the end of a game. Players love playing for that guy. So I, I talked about it with some Ryder friends earlier in the season as they were trying to write off the Padres when the Fernando Tatis uh, news came about. I was thinking, look, man, I am never going to count out a Bob Melvin-managed team. So the Padres are certainly going to make it difficult on the Dodgers. And I've always said, look, it's not really a series until you've played in both ballparks. I, I don't know if I can really stand by that, though, with the Seattle-Houston series because that series looks over. Seattle's had to lead in both games and lost in both. Whereas 
San Diego, man, they're giving everything to Los Angeles. And then even the other guys. How about Philly? Philly and Atlanta has been a thrilling first two games. Nick Castellanos, all the headlines in game one. And then in game two, Kyle Wright, he's won 21 games for a reason. Braves got some pitching, man. They picked up Max Reed. Now they got to decide who's going to start tomorrow. So tomorrow, they're the second game. Tomorrow's schedule, three games on the docket. Cleveland and New York making up game two, 12.07 first pitch. Then at 3.37 on FS1, it'll be Braves and Phillies. That game in Philly, Red October. First playoff game since 2011 in the city of brotherly love. It's going to be awesome. It'll be Aaron Nola for the Phillies, which last time he pitched uh, was really, really good. Against TBD. Are the Braves going to start Charlie Morton or Spencer Strider? That series is tied at one apiece. Then tomorrow night at 7.37, Dodgers and Padres, Tony Gonsolin against Blake Snell. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Really, really fun stuff. Want to get to a text from Mike in Colorado. He has plenty of reservations about what David Stearns has said and how. Sure, it was nice he owned up to some of the organization's missteps, but he's built his reputation on the team's success on calculating all outcomes, given situations, and the outcomes. They made several huge blunders at the end of July. Given Stern's current contractual agreement, expiring at the end of 23, with all the uncertainty of the upcoming player deals, my trust is wavering as to where this organization is heading. Guess we'll see. I will say, if Stern's were to leave, and Matt Arnold would you know, likely assume the new director of baseball operations elevating internally, you would hope, it's a pretty darn good hire. I think Matt Arnold would be a great leader of this organization, and he loves it here. I think he'd be a great director of baseball ops, but that's further down the road. But I appreciate the concern. I think it's a fair concern for Mike in Colorado. We'll wrap up the show next on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. All right, a lot of money, a lot of numbers, a lot of math in today's episode. Upcoming, Bucks are back in action next week, so we will not have a live Brewers Weekly next week. My apologies. But hey, uh, keep it locked, whether you're on the podcast, Apple Podcasts, WTMJ.com. You can always see our content there. We'll be right back after it in uh, on the 27th with another brand new episode of Brewers Weekly. By then, we'll be uh, done with the CSs. We'll be preparing for the World Series. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see who's going to be. Again, my picks, I've got the Astros over the Braves in the World Series. And I have the Braves beating the Dodgers in the NLCS. And I have the Astros beating the Yankees in the ALCS. That's my picks. I will say Vinny Rotino in our uh, pregame or in our uh, end of season uh, show where we predicted the postseason, his World Series champion is out, the Toronto Blue Jays. So, sorry, Vinny. It is what it is. The Again, three games tomorrow, Cleveland and New York, Atlanta and Philly, and Dodgers in San Diego. And then we will have four games on Saturday with a couple of clinchers potentially in all of those. And our own, our old friend uh, Brian Anderson will be on the call on TBS for the Astros and Mariners, as you've heard him this week. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to hear a familiar voice on postseason baseball. For Justin Pottinger, our engineer, I'm Dominic Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging.